and they should disappear. And then it's your turn. And they say, don't put your hands on the side. And then it takes your time to jump. And all this feelings, and you're scared to death, and you know exactly what to do, and then you jump. But I also have to admit that I didn't know that from experience. I didn't jump out of an airplane before. Uh, but we did. So that wasn't the idea. The, the message wasn't go out and get in an airplane and prove how tough you are. We, we talked about how when, if you have not jumped out of an airplane, you don't know what it's like to jump out of an airplane. You, everybody can build up the, ex, ex, the suspense, and they can try to help you understand, but there's no way to understand unless you actually do it. Well, last week, Elizabeth was telling Mary that she was blessed because she was willing to trust God and follow him with what he asked her to do. And she was going to only experience this blessing because she was willing to obey God. And it's this idea of a blessing was we looked at uh, Luke chapter 6 where it talks about blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And it's not the idea of being happy because everything in life works out. It's, the, it's a happiness that the world cannot understand and the world cannot give if you are faithful and trusting God. It doesn't mean everything down here is going to work out either. Uh, you, you'll experience a peace and a joy, but you, uh, a lot of that is going to be experienced up in heaven. And you got one shot at life, and you, know, you don't know what's going to be there until you get there. So we kind of we went to the edge, and we we're talking about jumping. Now, maybe somebody said, okay, I'm going to listen to God. I feel like he wants me to uh, um, you know, go give coffee to this person down the road or invite this person to the Christmas play. And they said, sure. I'll go with you. You realize, okay, life was good. I, I, I got to the edge of the airplane, and I jumped, and it was okay. I, I lived, and it's happy. Now, maybe somebody else said, okay, I'm going to try to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to invite somebody to church, and it didn't go over so well. You thought, that's the last time I'm doing that. These people look at me like I'm strange. Maybe you thought, you know what, I'm too scared. I'm, I'm not even going to do that. Uh, I know people have that experience. I don't care if I have it because... Uh, I'm just afraid, you know, I mean, or maybe you said, I don't even remember what you talked about. I remember something about the airplane that was kind of cool, but everything else I, I don't even know. So, and I, I've been in your shoes plenty of times, so I know exactly what that's like and I don't take it personal. Uh, but I want to continue with this idea of jumping out of an airplane. And if you're going to choose to follow God, there are two things that you need to know that you are probably going to encounter. One's a negative and one is a positive when you choose to follow God, you can expect opposition. You can expect resistance when you choose to follow God. Now, a lot of people, they hear this word resistance, and they're like, I don't like that word. You know, I want to make my decisions. I want to choose to go this way and, and make this decision, and I don't want people's opposition. If people are going to oppose me, then I'm, I don't like it. So that might be enough to say, I'm not even going to listen to the rest of this message because I don't like opposition. But you know that there are... Even in this room, there's probably like 50 different opinions about who the best football team is, okay? And it, it doesn't even really matter, but there's a, a lot of people are going to give you lots of different opinions. So, so please please listen with me, at least to hear what, what we're up against. With the first the negative, when you choose to follow God, you're going to face resistance. But also there's a positive when you choose to follow God. We're going to be in chapter 1 of Luke uh, right now we're going to be looking at verses 57 through 61. The whole passage will be through 79, but 57 to 61. Luke chapter 1.
When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Now, back then, when you had a baby, uh, the reason they did it on the eighth day was because you were unclean. A woman who had a baby, she was unclean. You know, she did this beautiful thing of having a baby. She was unclean for seven days. And so they waited till the eighth day when she was clean. Everybody could get together and celebrate. And they could circumcise the little boy. And they could name the baby. And so this is kind of what's going on. And all these people are around. And there's a lot of extra people because this is the only baby that Elizabeth has had and is probably ever going to have. So there's lots of people that she's celebrating with. Well, she faces opposition because everybody around her is trying to name the baby for her. And in today's culture, you have a baby, you name it, and no one else, no one makes much of a fuss. But back then, if you had a baby, it was a very big tradition, a very big deal that you would name it after somebody in your family line. And Elizabeth is trying to say, wait a second, I don't want to do this. All these people who came to celebrate with her would be, it would be hard. They just are celebrating. Here's gifts. Here's this great time. And she said, okay, we can't do that because that's not what God wants. She's facing what even the, the men, you know, all these people are speaking for her. She's just a woman. So she doesn't even have uh, a lot of, a lot of, lot to stand on. And she's trying to go against all this opposition of what these people think. She's facing, so she's facing opposition from her family and friends. She's facing opposition from tradition or from what is customary. Because like I said, the, the firstborn uh, or especially the firstborn. The firstborn was uh, customarily got the father's name. So you could have Steve and Minnie Steve. We could have Josh and Minnie Josh. You could have had Dale and Minnie Dale. But, uh, and that's the way it was back then. Today, it, it doesn't mean that much. You might include part of a kid's name, like uh, my middle name is Stephen, and Noah got Stephen as a middle name. But it was there was not a lot of pressure on this. And it was such a big deal that all these people said, hey, Elizabeth, you're just a woman. We're going to set you aside. We're going to go talk to Zechariah and see what Zechariah thinks. Well, at this point, Zechariah cannot speak, and most likely he cannot hear because they're trying to make signs for him. So he's just watching all this drama of these people talking to Elizabeth about naming the kid. So now it's Zechariah's turn to face opposition for following the will of God. And, they, they, and he... He's got to face things a little bit differently, in my mind. Uh, 62 and 63, they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Now, if you're a dad and you have one choice, one chance to name your kid after yourself, I, I can only imagine that that's what you would want to do. I mean, in, in the culture, so he's got to deal with this pride issue. You know, I can be quiet my whole life and have this kid become just like me. He's also got to face uh, social norms. And what I mean by that is, uh, an example would be if, if you, anybody ever get in an elevator. Now, some honorary people will get in there and they'll, they'll just look at everybody. But, and so he's dealing with that. He's got all this pressure of what everybody is expecting of him to do. And a lot of people are going to think, uh, this is really uncomfortable. This is really awkward. We're not used to doing this this way. So he's fighting all these very same things. And all these people want to name him 
uh, Zechariah, which for him is a very special thing. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm going to name. However, he wrote his name is John. And it was very emphatic. His name is John. Don't ask me about it again. This is what we're going to name him. John means grace of God. Now, uh, in naming him John, it kind of sets this kid aside as something different. Uh, because this is a, a very new thing that they're doing. They're not, there's no John in their, their lineage. This is a brand new name for a brand new kid. And it's to say that this kid is something different. He was going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. The Messiah who we know is Jesus, who's going to come to this earth and be our Savior. And that's what he was going to do. John was going to point the way to Jesus. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. Everybody else, we read, they were, they were stunned. They were astonished. What in the world is going on? How can you name this kid? This must be a very special kid if you're willing to break tradition. You're willing to go against what everybody says, and you're going to name this kid Jesus. Now, it's not, it's not fun. I don't know if you've ever had been, found yourself in a situation where you had to tell your parents or tell somebody something that they didn't want to hear. You know, like, oops, I broke the base, or ooh, I'm uh, going to go to this college instead of that college, or I... Uh, I got a speeding ticket, whatever it is. It's hard to bring this up. You know, you, you avoid the eye contact, you avoid it at all costs, and finally at the very end of a conversation, you blurt it out. So it's not, it's not comfortable. But when you decide to follow God, you're going to face resistance. When I decide to follow God, I'm going to face resistance too. And there's a lot of different places you're going to face resistance. And for a lot of people, that's enough to say, I'm, that's good. Someone else can face that resistance. They can play the the Lone Ranger, the, the guy who goes out in the wild frontier and di discovers everything, not me. You know, you're going to face resistance from your family and your friends. And all the people that you love and that you want your support from, that you care about the most, sometimes when you choose to follow God, they are not going to be happy with it. I mean, they can be Bible-believing people, and they, they love God and they love you, but they just can't seem to be happy with the choice you made to follow God in a certain way. Uh, there was this girl that I knew that uh, her dad said, how, how is it that God would want you, and this was a guy who believed in the Lord, he said, God wouldn't want you to leave your family, the people who love you, and go to a different country and be a missionary. You know, and it's like, that's, that's going to be disappointing to a lot of parents. You know, we think about... Uh, you don't know what's going to happen to them. Uh, I think about the foxes. I've been talking with them. Well, they're over in Alaska. And guess what time they're coming back? Like two years from now. They're giving up an awful lot of family time. And I'm sure the parents are excited. But why did you have to go that far? Why can't you be a missionary here? So you're going to face opposition. You're going to face opposition from tradition. Uh, you know, it, it might be a, a family business that's passed down. It might be uh, always being there for uh, holidays. You know, I think about the foxes because I think, uh, you know, they're, they're over in Alaska and it probably feels like Christmas year round because of the cold, but they, they are not going to be here for Christmas this year. And I, I'm, I don't know what their parents think about that, but if you're serving God somewhere else, you're, you're giving up a tradition of being home for Christmas or Christmas Eve. And that's one of the things, the main holidays that people look forward to is having family together at Christmas time. But you can't serve God and have tradition at the same time, all the time. You might be uh, going against your own desires, you know, because when you get to the edge of the airplane, 
everything inside of a sane person says don't jump. There, you don't know what's on the other end. There are people who the parachute doesn't open, uh, or they, they land and they break their back, or they break a leg, and it's just, you know, maybe that target wasn't quite on like they thought it was. And your, your own desires are going to keep you from wanting to be faithful to God. You know, especially this time of year, you're busy, right? I mean, everybody can say, I'm busy. I have lots of, of things to do. I have family I got to take care of, right? I mean, that's legitimate, especially the bigger your family is and the more things are involved in. It's real easy to say, okay, God, I know you want me to, to go visit somebody, um, but I don't have time right now. I, I, got, I got my own family. You know, maybe after basketball season, then I'll have time because I won't have practice every night or my kids won't have a game or... Um, you know, maybe when work slows down, you know, we're just in a busy time of life. You know, when work slows down, okay, God, then I'll go talk to that person who I haven't seen for a while. There's, there's our own uh, comfort zone. You know, it's, it's hard to get out of that comfort zone. I'm, I'm not comfortable walking up to somebody and inviting them to church. I'm not comfortable saying, hey, Lauren, how are you doing? And Lauren might tell me something I don't want to know because he's, he's having a bad day. And how do I deal with that? Uh, you know, it, it, you just don't know. There's even the, the opinions of other people. There's a, a girl I went to, a different girl that I went to high school with. I've known her since I was nine. And she's, she's had some health issues, and she went down to Mexico to be a missionary with her husband. They work at a, a missionary school. And in less than when she's working at a coffee shop, this guy came through, and he's like, how can Shiloh go to Mexico? Um, I mean, why would you want to leave this country? I mean, you think about the safety issues versus both countries. You think about the health issues of both countries. You think about the family. You think about every the crime rate, the health. Why would she leave this country of America and go to Mexico? And this guy was, his mom, before he was adopted, she was a missionary that went to Jerusalem. And she went to Israel. And she she grew up doing those kinds of things. And yet her kid is saying, why would, why would she do that? Why would God want her to do that? So there's, there's opposition everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, if it's going to be a missionary overseas because I look at everybody here and I don't think, wow, you're going to be a missionary and oh, you should have been a missionary. Uh, but there's, there's so many ways that God wants to use us. Even in that letter, um, there was a, somebody who was, who was watching someone's kids or something so someone could go to chemotherapy. Uh, there, there's after-school programs. There's there's just any sort of way that God's going to ask to use you, and you got to say yes. It's not always going to be this big trip to Africa or to a Asia or on a short-term mission trip to China. A lot of things are just normal everyday life. So maybe maybe you're like me. Uh, you, you look back and you say, you know what? I got to the edge of that airplane and I didn't jump. Uh, there was when I was 19 uh, when I was in Bible school the first time. Uh, there was, uh, we'd have chapel every day, and there was a gal that was talking about working at the crisis pregnancy center. And boy, did I feel like I should do that. But I didn't know, I didn't know anybody there. I, my parents weren't involved in that kind of stuff, and I was scared to death. And so guess what I did? I did absolutely nothing. And it, it's haunted me almost ever since. And I don't think I was going to go work there forever, but I felt like God was saying, hey, Josh, I want you to go do this. And maybe you're like, you're, you can think of a situation in your life where I should have done this. It's not too late. I mean, maybe you said, I should have talked to someone about the Lord before they passed away or before they moved. Maybe I should have went to Bible school. 
Maybe I should have volunteered at a crisis pregnancy center. It's not too late. It is obviously for that situation. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 20 years older than I was back then. And that situation is not there anymore. People have passed on. But today is a new day. Every day you get a chance to stand at the door of the airplane and decide, am I going to do this? God's not going to make you. God's like on the other side saying, Josh, come on. You can do this. I'll help you. I'll get you. I'll get you safely down. And even if things don't turn out the way you want, God still got you. He still has you in control. Uh, this quote that came across uh, by George Woodfield says, We are immortal until our work on earth is done. So we're afraid we're going to die. We're afraid there's all these bad things are going to happen to us. But if you're doing exactly what you want, you're not going to leave this earth a second sooner than God has for you to leave this earth. You're immortal until God says it's time to take you home. It's not too late. So that's the negative experience. You're going to face opposition, maybe from everywhere. And it's like, that's, that's just enough for a lot of people. I don't like to face opposition. I like to face everybody on my side, everybody succeeding, especially my family all agreeing with me. Yes, this is what we want you to do, but it's not always going to be like that. So you got to make the choice. Am I going to choose what I think God wants me to do, or am I going to try to keep everybody else happy? Also in this bulletin, it says, uh, Aesop says, please all and you please none. You try to please everybody, you can't do it. And so you got a choice to make is, because uh, you just you got to make the choice. Every day you get a fresh chance to make that choice. I don't think, okay, tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll do it. Today is the day to take that jump and do what God's asking you to do. So, this, so when you follow God, you can expect resistance. But when you follow God, you should also expect God to keep his word. Now, that's a very comforting thing. It'd be nice to say, well, yeah, uh, I had an angel come down and talk to me and say, hey, Josh, this is what I want you to do. And this is what I'm going to do for you. But that didn't happen, so how do I know God's going to keep his word? What does that mean? Well, before we get there, let's see how God kept his word to Zechariah. Um, let's see. How about verses 64 to 66? Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Zechariah, he got exactly what God said he was going to give him. He says, um, you're, you're not going to be able to speak until you do this. And at the moment that he said his name was John, there you go, he could speak. And that doesn't sound like an amazingly wow to us because we all can talk. But he wasn't able to talk for over nine months or for about nine months from the time the angel talked to him and said, Hey, buddy, you didn't believe me. Here's your here's something to think about every day to remind you that you didn't believe me. And so he's he's uh, God's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He didn't give him a yacht. He didn't get him a new house. He didn't give him anything else like that. God keeps his word to us if we will trust him and, and do what he says. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Guess what? God's going to keep his word. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to stand before it. 
that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. You are going to have a chance to receive every reward from God. When you get to heaven, God's going to keep his word. Colossians 3, 23-24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. God's going to keep his, re- he's going to keep his word. You will receive a reward in heaven for the things that you do here on earth. Now, not everything has to be this big, amazing, awesome thing. Something as small as Matthew 10, 42 says, And if anyone gives even a cup of cool water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. God is going to keep his word. Are you going to give that cup of cool water to this little kid? Are you going to go and talk to your neighbor or go shovel the sidewalk for him because you feel like maybe you should? Um, Even given the, the... the church gave these blessing banks to people. You know what? The youth group did that. Praise the Lord because it was, it's hard to do as an adult. But they were faithful and they did it. Guess what they're going to get in heaven? They're going to get a reward for that. God is going to keep his word. The problem is those aren't the kinds of rewards we want. We want a reward that says, okay, Josh, you obeyed me. I'm going to give you good health the rest of your days. Or I'm going to give you a pay raise. Or I'm going to keep your family safe and secure. Uh, you know, I'm going to have everybody else notice how great you are. That's the kind of praise that, or the kind of reward we want. Something here on earth. You know, but you're more likely to get, uh, you might get made fun of. You know, you invite someone to church and the word gets around that you're a holy roller and you might get ignored. Maybe nothing's going to happen. You know, maybe uh, I told this person about Jesus or I, I gave this gift basket or I shoveled their snow and nothing happened. You might get that. Uh, you might get, your family might get separated because what did you know? Uh, uh, you're all of a sudden asked to, to leave with your family to move to a different area and God's got something different for you to do. Families can be torn apart. It's hard on families to be separated. And even uh, there are countries where people face death all because they say yes to God, but God's going to keep his uh, word and those people are going to receive a reward for that. Only those who jump are going to get the benefits. God, God's got you there. He's telling you what he wants you to do, but he's not going to push you out of the airplane. I mean, that would be pretty darn mean to push someone out of the airplane. And God says, hey, go ahead. I'm with you. Let's jump. I'll jump with you. So we, we, we know we can expect opposition from others. We know we can rely on God to keep his word, but we should also expect something out of ourselves. We should expect ourselves to tell other people about what God has done and about what God is doing. And that's what we find with the rest of this passage with Zechariah. Uh, he, he doesn't immediately start justifying his situation. He doesn't start trying to convince people of, of why he couldn't talk or why they had to name him John. He just says, he just lets loose and says, we're going to praise God. And here's what I want to tell you about him. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to read it. Uh, I'll read parts of it. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has, uh, he has sent Jesus, who in the future is going to be the one who, who pays the price. If you, have, if you have war and you have one guy gets captured by the enemy and the enemy says this guy is worth $300,000, the ransom is that price, whatever it is that they're asking. The, the maximum price that you can pay for a slave, and that's what Jesus did for, for, the, for these guys, and that's what Jesus did for us. 
We're not slaves like we've got to be redeemed. I mean, I'm, I got freedom. I got health. I got life. Everything is fine. But I'm, I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave to death. I, and there's, there's a price on my head that I can't pay. I'm just like the guy in the slave block just looking around like, please, somebody do something to set me free. And that's what Jesus came to do, to pay the ransom to set us free. And uh, it, it talks about how he's, he's, he saves them from their enemies and he shows mercy and he keeps his promises so that these people can worship him in fear and in righteousness. They don't have to worry about being persecuted for their faith. Now, here on earth, you kind of feel like you do because people can take it out on you. But you have this eternal home up in heaven. And one day we're all going to have that opportunity to worship God in heaven without fear of persecution, without fear of what, what can happen to us because of it. And then the part I want to come back to John the Baptist is uh, verses 76 and 77. I want you to think about here, what, is, what does John get to do in these two verses? That, that's going to like be, man, this is what I've always wanted. It says that you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation <clears throat> through the forgiveness of their sins. He's going to go on before the Lord to, to tell people about him. John, uh, Zechariah prophesied about his son. He probably would have liked to say, you're going to be the next great ruler of this country. You're going to be the next president of this country, or of, of this company. You're going to be the next whatever. And he's prophesying about John and saying, you're going to go before the Lord. So what we see there is John's whole life was about Jesus. He was going to, John faced opposition not from his parents necessarily because they knew all this, but I'm sure there was other people who, who gave him opposition when he decided to follow the Lord. He, he got persecuted because he stood for the Lord, but he knew he could trust God's promises and his whole life was about Jesus. And that's the same for us. Your whole life should be about Jesus. If you're at work, it should be about Jesus. If you're at play, even in this church building, while you're here, your whole life should be about Jesus. And you can do that by uh, greeting each other. You can do that by uh, connecting, by like praying for each other, by reaching out, uh, by uh, reaching out to people who haven't been here, people who look like they need a friend. We're a family here. We're the family of God. And we should have, uh, we should have a relationship in here that we do not have anywhere else our whole life everywhere we go should be about jesus because jesus he came to offer this salvation and we're not going to read it but i just want to give you this picture that's in the bible you know we uh, i was talking i'm talking to, to dale and i i know like sunday mornings they get up really early so they can get to church on time and i, I imagine most of the time you wait till the sun is up but i, I picture sunday morning where it's completely dark and you're you're out there you're stumbling through uh, you're tripping over things I left in the yard or uh, branches, whatever, and you can't see. But when that sun starts to come up, you can all of a sudden you can see every obstacle in your way. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day, right? You can see every obstacle in your way, and you can see. And now I can avoid these things. It's very obvious which path I need to take. And that's why Jesus came. And he came to be the obvious way of salvation, to make it very clear to everybody who would turn to him, this is what it means to have salvation. This is how uh, I can get rid of this bad in my life, and this is how I can walk with the Lord. 
That's why Jesus came. Our whole life is about Jesus. It should be about Jesus. So have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because if you can't, you're that person walking around in the dark. They can't see. You're, you're stumbling over this idea and, and that fear and that thought of, of what is this life about? But it's about Jesus. And the other thing is your, you can name your name. I, could, I won't do that. But you, your job is the same as John. Your life is supposed to be about Jesus. To, to share him, to live it out in your everyday life, to everything you do should be pointing to other people that Jesus is real and that Jesus is coming back. So this week, I want you to put your parachute on. Even today, just put your parachute on, snug it down tight, and get to the edge and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's go. When God gives you that, what he wants you to do, don't even think about it. Don't worry about how, how it could turn out or what everybody else is going to think. Just do it. Get your pack on and say, okay, God, let's go. And do what you guys to do. Let's pray, and I'm going to ask God to help each of us, even myself, to do the same thing. Dear God, I thank you for... Uh, I thank you for John, uh, Zechariah and for Elizabeth who said, I'm going to go against uh, opposition. I'm going to go against tradition. I'm going to go against what I want myself to do, to please myself, to do what you want. And I pray for each one here, God, who, who might be struggling with the same things, God, because it's not easy. We know that you're a faithful God, but it's still, it's still hard to step out in faith because we don't know how it's going to turn out. And I just pray that you please help us to, to have the courage the next opportunity you give us to jump and I pray that you prove yourself faithful and we'd see a difference. We'd see a, a positive outcome and, and we'd be encouraged to keep doing it again and again and again. I, I just thank you that you're faithful and, and that you're good to us. And I just pray for the help to be faithful back throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.